to be able to welcome a special guest uh, preacher today. We have Reverend Charles Hightower, and it's so wonderful to have um, both you and your wife here together with us worshiping. Um, we first got to know Reverend Hightower kind of peripherally through the Dodd Rashito family over the years, but it was really wonderful meeting you at um, the service for um, our beloved Pat Dodd, and that was really just really wonderful to hear how Reverend Hightower made it clear that some of the biblical offices, like that of the deacon, are so important for, um, for really the ministry. We're really grateful to welcome him today, and it is a privilege to bring him to bring forth the words. So if you could join me in welcoming Reverend Hightower today. Amen. Can, can you hear me? Amen. Amen. I, uh, my family tell me I can get a little bit loud at times. So, um, you know, you, we, if I get a little loud, you can let the person mix it can tune it down. I get excited because of my convictions about Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, I bring you greetings in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. I also bring you greetings on behalf of the Baptist Church of All Nations in Ton, Massachusetts, just a little way over on 44, literally. Amen. Amen. It is good for us to be here together today. Amen. I want to especially um, thank your lead pastor, David Cushing, for extending the invitation to come here and share this word with you today. I know as many preachers in New England, so I'm humbled that you would have me to come here. We want to also recognize your senior pastor, Stan Cushing, Reverend Stan Cushing, who was gracious to us um, today. As in all of you, you've just been so kind to us from the moment we stepped out the car to getting over in that seat at every place we went in the church. It just feels good to be with a church of people who love people and show gracious and kindness to them. Amen. Amen. I want to also recognize my wife, Pastor Reverend Nikki. Um, hi, Tyra, who is also here with me today. That's my, 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 the love of my life. And so she, she's my armor bearer today also. So just so you know, amen. Uh, and I see um, Brother Dodd and Sister Nita. It's good to see you all again. Amen. Amen. But I know um, all the greetings and everything you wonder, and does the preacher have a word? Um, yes, the preacher has a word today. It's already been lifted up the context in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. I want to lift out verse um, 16, which will um, guide us where we will go today. Um, if you would go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and you were to look in, at verse 16, it reads as follows according to the English Standard Version of the Holy Scriptures. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. For those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. I would encourage you to keep your Bible open so that if you fall asleep and you wake up at some point in this message, you can, can see that indeed what the preacher is preaching is in the word of God. I'm an expository preacher, so I'm going to stay yoked to God's word. Amen. For, for the time that is ours together, I'd like to preach you from this simple subject or topic, hope for a dark world. Hope for a dark world. Hope 
for a dark world. Let us pray. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let all of God's people say together, amen, 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 amen. In 1963, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King wrote a book that contained a collection of sermons called Strength to Love. This is a collection of sermons in which the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King talks about the difficulty in in various sermons of of loving those who are not always likable or always kind to you. He, 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 He writes this book in the midst of all the turmoil that's happening in the world, in the United States, um, we, in a time in which the world looks dark, the United States looks dark. We're in this time where they're dealing with the issues of segregation. You don't have the Civil Rights Act yet. You don't have the Voting Rights Act yet. Kennedy is not president yet, nor Johnson. And, and so in the midst of this, he, he, he writes this book, and in this book, one of the sermons he has is titled, Love Your Enemies, that, that, that he has one of perhaps his mo- one of his popular quotes, but in my opinion, perhaps one of his best quotes, where he says, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Now, you must understand that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, with his contemporaries, many people thought that he was overly optimistic, that they thought sometimes what he was talking about was pie in the sky, that, 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 that we know today we, we celebrate him, we'll recognize his birthday tomorrow, but in the time in which he lived, he was not always popular. And even among his own people, sometimes people thought that he was a little bit too optimistic. But Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, he, he, he had hope. And that hope was not pie in the sky, but that hope was found in Jesus Christ. And that's why he can, can say only love can drive out hate. That, 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 that as he, he talks about darkness and darkness that he mentions here is this darkness of, 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 of oppression, darkness of, of, of racism, darkness of poverty, even darkness of war. He says more war, more hate, more racism can't drive it out, but it must be done by love. In fact, this is what he becomes, he's known as his love ethic, that he believes that I'm going to love my enemies and to be in my friends. And beloved, as we sit here today and as we look in the gospel of Matthew, um, we, in the opening passages, you'd have already probably heard chapters 1 and 2. We've just come out of Advent and Christmas season. That, that, that here we, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, even in the opening chapter, we look at the lineage of Jesus Christ and we can see how God has always been working to bring his people into a blessing. That, that God has always been on the throne, as even they list the kings, that is really God who's been working and coming, bringing the past his plans and purposes. We, we hear about Mary and she has the baby Jesus Christ, you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon her. That's in chapter one. We, we hear about the wise men who come to see Jesus Christ as we arrive in chapter two. We, we hear, we get to chapter three and we see the baptism, the, the preparing of the way by John the Baptist. That, that then John the Baptist prepares people's hearts to receive Jesus Christ. And then we have Jesus Christ baptism. Now, if you were to just stop right there, you would be excited. 
You, you would just think everything is going well. Jesus is born, and, and, and the, the long-awaited Davidic king, the Messiah, is now on earth, and all the problems that the people are experiencing are going to go away. But by the time you get to Matthew chapter 4, we realize that the world is still a dark place. What you're talking about, preacher? Because we see in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus is driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. He's driven there to be tested by Satan. But we see Jesus is triumphant over temptation. We see Jesus fights with the devil with the best tool any saint can use, which is the word of God. But Satan is still there. And for anybody who's been in the church a little while, has been on this road, this walk with Jesus Christ, you know that Satan is still alive and well. That even Satan can show up in the throne room, coming over here, Job, and he can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation about his people. But then we see when we get to the text today, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17, we, we see not only is Jesus tempted and, and is Jesus tested, but he's triumphant, but we see there's not just darkness in the world against Jesus Christ, but there's darkness against, in the world against God's people. What you're saying, preacher, it's right there when you look in Matthew chapter 12. It says that Jesus heard that John the Baptist was in prison. Now, now you, if you read too fast, you'll miss what's been happening here. John the Baptist, who's a prophet, is locked up. By the time we get to John, to Matthew chapter 11, John is going to look disillusioned at the ministry of Jesus Christ because he's still locked up. Everybody's being healed and people are, are getting their sight. People who are pressed are being set free. The gospel is being preached. And John the Baptist, who's the cousin of Jesus, is still locked up. Matthew chapter 14, it gets even worse because John the Baptist loses his head over walking with the Lord. That, that he says to Herod that it's not right for you to have your brother Philip's wife. He's locked up because he says what thus saith the Lord and ultimately he'll lose his head. That when we get back to Matthew chapter 4, it's dark in the world. John the Baptist who folks thought was Elijah, the, the new Elijah, has exited the stage. And as you look at the times in which the people are living, they're under Roman oppression. It looks like a dark world. In fact, littered along the roads would be crosses for everybody who stood up and tried to fight against the Roman Empire. Everybody who spoke power to truth, that they, they thought that they were going to stand up. They had crosses that remind them of who was in charge. And I know today as we get ready to celebrate Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, I know after all these decades later, I know after we've had an African-American president that, it, that we think everything could be okay. I know you thought in 2008 that we've gotten beyond some of the issues of the 60s, but if you turn on your TV, you'll see the world is still dark. We got wars raging everywhere. Wars popping off even within wars. We can just look right now in these United States of America and we, we find that we can't even figure out how to run elections and elect presidents that, that even four years later, folks still wondering who's the president. That, that, that we thought we've gotten beyond some of these challenges. We, we thought we got to a point of racial reconciliation. We, we, we thought we're in post-civil rights era, but, but still there's a dark world. And so today I just stopped by to give you a few words 
to encourage you, to, to not only encourage, but to challenge you as, as we move forward as people of God, as we get ready to celebrate tomorrow Reverend Dr. King's birthday, his life and his legacy, as we as the children of God go out and share the gospel, we proclaim the good news that we ought to have some hope even in a dark world. Because we see here as we look in our passage today that, 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 that Jesus Christ, when we look in verses 12 through 14, we see Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophetic word. It's right there. It says Jesus um, came back. He came to the land of Zebulon and Naphtali, and it, it is hearkening back to, to Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 1 through 2 to fulfill Scripture. That when you look at Jesus Christ, he fulfills scripture. That, that Jesus Christ is not just the, the, the Davidic king. He's also the priest. He's also the prophet. That, that Jesus Christ fulfills the prophetic word. And I know when we think about the prophetic word, we like to think about the word that encourages you. We like to think about a prophetic word that it tells you if you blab it, then you can grab it. A prophetic word, if you sow a seed, then you can increase your blessings of financial prosperity. I know you want somebody to give you a prophetic word that says it's going to get better and, and that your body is going to be healed. But, but if we look at the prophet in the Bible, the prophet is not always like. The prophet is the one who comes and says, Thus saith the Lord. Did I tell you already that John the Baptist was locked up because he was a prophet? Because he said, it ain't right for you to do what you're doing, Harry. You can't live any old kind of way. That if you're going to be a prophet, if you're going to share God's word, then you're not going to be liked. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that the word I know is a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. God's words you hide in your heart that you may not sin. But, but the word out the air now and then convict you. It ought to challenge you. It ought to meet you in your point of sin and say, get right with the Lord while there's time. That's the inauguration of Jesus' ministry. Repent while the, king, the kingdom of God is at hand. Get right with God. Back in chapter 3, John the Baptist was doing a baptism of repentance, and, and people did not just come to him and just get baptized. They were confessing their sins. We see in Scripture, they, they were acknowledging that they have not always done right. They have not always lived right. That is by the grace of God that they are still alive. That, that that's the prophetic ministry to challenge people to greatness, to challenge the people of God to better, to call the people back to God, to call them to be light in the world, that, that Jesus Christ fulfills the prophetic word. In fact, it takes us to Luke chapter 4. And you see the other perspective of what's really happening here with Jesus Christ when he shares the word that he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, to give liberty to the oppressed, that this is the acceptable year of the Lord's favor, that now it's not just about you, you looking good and smelling good. It's not about us being in the four walls of the church, being insulated to all of the issues 
Jews that are in the world, that Jesus Christ, when he goes to Zebulun and Naphtali, he goes to the bottom of the barrel, that these are the people of God since, since 722 B.C. Have, were kicked out the promised land, so to speak. They were, they were kicked out by the Assyrians, and nothing has ever been better since then. Of all places, the Messiah was to come. This would be the least likely place, that folks would not expected God to come to Galilee of the Gentiles, to come to a place of folks who are unsaved, folks who seem outside the promises of God, folks who seem like they're beyond the reach of God. That is where Jesus Christ goes to share the word, to preach God's good news. What you're talking about, preacher, that, that you can't just have a church where you come every single Sunday and expect it's all right for just you to be saved. It's not enough just to have grandma and mama and daddy saved. You ought to want everybody saved. You ought not want just a few folks saved. You ought to be willing to go wherever God sends you to reach the lost, to reach the masses, that when we share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it's meant to bring folks into the family of God, that God wants his family to be bigger, that, that God is patient, that God is waiting for souls to come to him, that God is not slack in fulfilling his promises. He desires for no one to perish. When we say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, that God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He meant the world, all who would believe in him. And that's where Jesus Christ decides to make his home. That's where Jesus decides to identify with those on the margin of society, the least of these, those folks who you would think are unreachable, those folks maybe who strung out on drugs, those folks who may be alcoholics, those folks who may be dealing with sex addiction, addiction, those folks who ain't got change for a quarter, ain't got two nickels in their pocket to rub together to make 10 cents, that Jesus Christ comes looking for them. I know every single Sunday you come to church, you think Jesus come looking for you. Yes, Jesus come looking for you, but he's come looking for somebody who did not know him. He's coming looking for the lost. He comes looking for someone to be saved. I tell our church every single Sunday after the gospel is preached, the main part begins when we extend the invitation that it was all done. The songs, all the greetings, all of the prayers, all of the preaching was for one one singular event to happen for souls to be saved, for whomsoever will believe in him. And here's Jesus Christ fulfilling the prophetic word. He's going to preach the gospel. He's going to get himself in trouble for preaching the gospel. Is going to get him put on a cross for, for, for telling even the people of God that you got to get right with God. And like John the Baptist said, do not presume because you got Abraham. Do not presume because you got Moses. Not presume because you got a church with four walls with the eight, with the heat running and the fans running. Do not presume that you are standing on solid ground lest you fall. He sits here. Jesus Christ embodies the fulfillment of the prophetic word. That in times like these, as we sit, as we serve our generation, 
It may seem dark in the world. It may seem like hopeless situations as folks get ready to go to the polls in a few months. It may seem like everything is wrong, but as long as God got a word, as long as God's word, and that, that time I check, heaven and earth will pass away, but not one iota of God's word. God's word still work. God's word is still true. Jesus Christ is the word incarnated in flesh. You can trust in God's word. Kings will exit the stage. Presidents will exit the stage. Congressmen will exit the stage. Bosses at your job will exit the stage. Enemies will exit the stage. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one iota of God's word. Preach it in season, out of season. Preach it if they want to hear it, if they don't want to hear it. They may want to surround themselves with folks with twinkling ears, but you preach God's word. All Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, exhorting, correcting, or rebuking, so that the man or woman of God will be thoroughly equipped. Jesus Christ is the Word incarnate in flesh. We see here in verses 12 through 14 that Jesus goes to the disinfected. Jesus goes to the least likely folks to be saved. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the prophetic Word. And I must tell you right now, parenthetically, don't think if you preach God's word, if you leave here today and go home and tell some of your kids or some of your grandkids who don't come to church what thus saith the Lord, do not assume when you decide to have a devotional around the table and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, that everybody's going to like it. Don't think if you get on fire for the Lord and show up tomorrow at work and not just wearing your crucifix necklace and your crucifix on your ears, if you decide to open up the word in the lunchroom and say what thus saith the Lord, do not presume that folks are going to like you. If you say what thus saith the Lord, it's going to offend. It's going to make folks mad. I tell our church sometimes I want y'all to get mad at, the, at what's been preached. I ain't scared of you. That you need to get right with the Lord while there is time. That's what Jesus, when he begins his ministry, he says the kingdom of God, the heaven, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, so you need to repent. When God draws close to you, you ought to repent. When God draws close to you, when you read God's Word, when you study God's Word in your devotional time, in your time of prayer, and you meditate on God's Word, God is drawing close to you, and you ought to be able to look inside and see what is not right and want God to clean it up. Come on over here, David, in Psalm 51. Create in me a new heart, a right spirit. Purge from me all iniquity. It's me, oh me, oh Lord. I'm the guilty offender. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophetic word. And the prophetic word must be preached. It must be proclaimed. It must be shouted everywhere. That wherever you go, you must say what thus saith the Lord. And the prophetic word is not always going to make folks comfortable. It's going to cause some people to be conflicted. Some people are going to be convicted. You ought to be convicted here now and then when God's word is preached. Not only do I see in our pastors today that we got hope even in a dark world because we got Jesus Christ. 
who's the fulfillment of the prophetic word, that what God said a long time ago will come to pass. It will be fulfilled, that God is not slack in fulfilling his promises, that God is not a man, that he shall lie or change his mind like a son of man, that if God says he's going to do it, then he's going to do it. In other words, you want to be a Bible-believing Christian. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but, but we up here in New England, I must tell you, it made me feel really good when I came in here and saw a cross right there, because not every church you go to these days don't want to have a cross up. They say the cross is offensive. Yes, the cross is offensive. It's a stumbling block to those who not believe, but for those who do believe, they find salvation in Jesus Christ. It's the foolishness of preaching that saves, the apostle Paul said. Preach it in season, out of season. Say what thus saith the Lord. Jesus. We find hope in Jesus because Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophetic word. But let me push it a little bit further because when we get to verses 15 through 16, we're almost on the home stretch. We see that Jesus is also the, re the revelation of God's compassionate purposes. It's right here. I already told you, he went to the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Now, you have to go back, as I told you, to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. That, that's what's quoted here. But when you go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 1 through 2, whereas here it says that the people were sitting in darkness. In, in, in Isaiah and verse 2, it says the people were walking in darkness, that they were walking in darkness. That, and when we look in the Old Testament, walking has to do with living. It has to do with who you're following. In other words, the people are walking around following something that's living them in the wrong direction. They can't see where they are going. But by the time we get to Matthew in chapter 4 and verse 16, it's gotten so bad, they stop walking and just sit in it. It's gotten so bad, they've lost hope. As it says in Isaiah, tonight says it was doom. It was gloom. Folks are frustrated. Folks are irritated. Folks are about to throw away their Bibles. Folks are about to lose their faith and lose everything. They didn't stop. They were, well, first they were just not walking. Walking, walking in darkness. Now they are sitting. They are despondent. They are frustrated. It, 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 it takes me back to when we think about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. As you go, they have a new biography that just come out on him, and we can see all the good stuff and the bad stuff. We can see what was going on in his mind that I know we celebrate him as, as, as the drum major for freedom. I, I know we remember the I have a dream speech, but, but there were times when he suffered from depression. He suffered from enemies um, outside and also inside like the Apostle Paul. Fake brothers. Folks were not always with him. When he came to some cities, folks wouldn't even let him come preach in the pulpit. No, he may be celebrated now and heralded now just like we herald Jeremiah, but in his time, he was hated. He was disliked and he was sometimes frustrated. He was sometimes despondent. When we sit here and I passage, the people of God, they were walking in darkness, but now they sit in darkness. They just accept 
things the way that they are. They don't think it's going to get better. I told you that Zebulun and Naphtali was at the bottom of the barrel. They're, 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 they had all kind of issues. They, were, they had Gentiles. You had the, the God-fearing people living among folks who were not saved. But guess what God reveals? He shows his compassionate purposes. Yeah, it may look bad, but God is still on the throne. God sits high and he looks down low. God will act on behalf of his children who pray out to him day and night. It may be dark, but in darkness, God can do some of his best work. That it may look bad. You may have issues in the house, issues with the children. You may have lost your job. You may have gotten a bad diagnosis, but guess what? God God cares for you. God is concerned for you. In fact, it said Jesus heard that, G- that John the Baptist was locked up. So Jesus is listening to your prayers, that Jesus is concerned. And well, we have a God who is compassionate. He comes to the least likely to be saved, to reveal to us that God is a compassionate God. That God cares for people. That God does not want people to be destroyed. I think it breaks God's heart when folks do not come to him. I think it broke Jesus' heart when he came to his own and his own would not receive him, would not believe in him. God is a compassionate God. What does it say in Lamentations? His mercies is new every day. Great is his Faithfulness. Great is God's hesed love, God's faithful love, God's covenant love. When you say God is good, God is good because God's mercy is enduring and is everlasting. And before you just think about those who do not know Jesus, the folks who are not saved, just think about yourself. Huh? Just think about some things that you did maybe last week. Maybe some stuff you did just last night. Maybe some stuff you did on the way to church today. His mercy is new every day. I don't want old mercy. I got some issues that God got to deal with me today. God is a compassionate God. God is merciful. God will save. It says in Philippians in chapter 1 that he's begun a good work in you and he will fulfill it on the day of the Lord. Think of how much work it takes God to fulfill the good work in sinners who have been saved by grace. Think of how much it takes for God to clean us up when our righteousness is like filthy rags. Think about when you was running from God. Think when you had one of those Jonah spirits. No, I'm not going to do what you told me to do. No, I ain't going to say, I'm not going to preach to them. Those are my enemies. No, God, but God still allows you to be here in your right mind. God is still giving you a measure of your health and strength. God is a compassionate God. We sit here in our passage. Jesus is the revelation of God's compassionate purposes. Folks are walking and now they're sitting in darkness. But it's one more little thing in our passage. It's not only that, but they are also dwelling in the shadow of death. That, 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 that where they're going is a dead end road. Where they're heading, they could die. That, 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 that the situation looks so bad. It's so dark in the world. All that it can expect is to die. Now, you got to know a little bit about shadows. You know, I, I, I'm also an engineer, a scientist. 
So I said, since I'm coming to Faith Community Church, I said, I need to make sure I get my research right, make sure I get my science right. So I said, I need to study about this shadow of death. So when you look up shadows, shadows are very interesting. Because when, 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 when you sit there and do not, um, shadows get formed when people go and block the sun, okay? And here's what happens is that when one looks up to the sun, and when you see, or rather when you see the shadow is behind a person, that means the person has looked up to block the sun. They've looked at the sun. But when you're looking away from the shadow, the shadow is in front of you. You don't figure it out yet. They were they dwelling in the shadow of death. The people of God have stopped following God. They've stopped looking to God. And therefore, the shadow looks like it is in front of them. That, that it looks because they've decided to do things their own way. They've decided to do stuff the way that they think is right. And therefore, the shadow of death is in front of them. But for those who know Jesus Christ, those who look to the hills for which they help come in, those who keep their eyes on Jesus Christ, the valley of the shadow of death is beyond, is behind them. He prepares a table before them in the presence of his enemies. He anoints their head with oil. They come runneth over. They can walk through the valley of the shadow of death because death is behind them. Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your power? Thanks be to God that we have victory in Jesus Christ. So be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. God is compassionate because when you look to Jesus, he, get, he helps you. He's an ever-present help in our time of storm, that when you put your eyes on Jesus, when you focus on the light, then you grow in your relationship with Jesus. He works everything out for your good. All things work to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Did you hear that? All things. And you know that all things, as it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, is a synergy that everything you're going through has been building synergy for God working it out for your good. The good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, my health is getting kind of bad. Yeah, I lost the job. Yeah, I may have lost the house. Yeah, my kids are driving me up the wall. Yeah, this marriage may not work out, but God has been working it out for your good all things. He sits here. Jesus gives us hope in a dark world because he's the revelation of God's compassionate purposes. God is a compassionate God. Yes, God says repent. Jesus preaches, we preach repentance, turn, have a change of mind, change your attitude, your disposition towards God, but make no mistake about it. The fact that you're still alive, that you can hear the gospel, the good news, that it is good news because God still saves, that no one is beyond the reach of God. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you'll go there. I make it in heaven, you will be there. God is an omnipresent God. God is compassionate. God wants to save. It's God's good pleasure to give to his children the keys to the kingdom of God. We sit here and Jesus gives us hope because he's the fulfillment of prophetic word. Read your Bible, in other words, and let God speak to you 
and you hear with thus the Lord. Say with thus saith the Lord. Preach it in season, out of season. Jesus is the revelation of God's compassionate purposes, that God is a compassionate God, that when you share the gospel, when you tell them to get right where there's time, you need to make sure there's some good news because God still saves, that God loves you. God sent his only begotten son because God wants you to be in the family. He's the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, and God wants you to be in the family. But finally, not only do we see the fulfillment of the prophetic word, when you read God's word, it ought to encourage you. Jesus is a prophet, a priest, and a king. That we look at the prophets, they, they preach the word, the uncompromising word of God. They ain't afraid of nobody. They share with God's word. You, God ain't giving you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and sound mind. You can preach it. You can stand on God's word. But also we see when we get to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, finally, the powerful proclamation of the gospel. The powerful proclamation of the gospel. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I told you, I said I was coming to Faith Community Church, so I had to do a little bit of research. I had to make sure I got my cross-references, everything. We read here in Matthew in chapter 4, verse 17, when Jesus begins his ministry, he starts preaching, um, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent. But when we go see this um, preaching, this event in the gospel of Mark, in chapter 1, we see in verses 14 through 15, John the Baptist has been arrested. So we know this is the cross-reference, that, that, that when he was arrested, Jesus came proclaiming the gospel. Uh, he, Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of God. I, I, I know sometimes we forget it's the gospel. It is good news. We see Jesus became the good news, but it says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I already told you that Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it's the foolishness of preaching that saves. There's some power in the God. It's something about a preacher who will stand in the pulpit, put their left and their right foot down, and say what thus saith the Lord. It's something about hearing the good news of Jesus Christ that draws people. That, that, that Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. If you want to know how to reach the masses just preach it simple and plain that all we got to do is preach Jesus Christ because he's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. I know we get some new ways of doing church. I know we can put the stuff up on the screens. I know we can stream it all around the world. I know you can read your Bible, have your Bible with you on your phone anywhere you go. I know we have a lot of technology. I know we can tweet, we can put likes on Facebook. But guess what? Jesus still saves. Preaching still works. Preaching the gospel, preaching it in season, out of season, even when it's out of season, it still works. My Bible says when you get the first Samuel and Samuel receives his call, it says in that time the word was rare. But guess what? It was still a word. The gospel is powerful. When you preach it, it will save folks. No, they don't need more religion. No, they don't need more form or fashion. No, they don't need more rules and regulations. What they need is more Jesus. What they need is just preach 
the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. Hide the preacher behind the cross and exalt the name of Jesus Christ. It's Isaiah where we said this is quoted. When Isaiah receives his call in Isaiah chapter 6, he sits there in the midst of the people. That's a dark time for them. The king Uzziah, they ain't seen him for a while because he had to be exited off the throne and scandal because he got a little bit ahead of God. The king has now died. It's believed that it broke Isaiah's heart. It broke the people's heart. It was a dark time. People were acting any old kind of way, but it says in my Bible in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw God sitting on the throne. Beloved, guess what? He still sits on the throne. He's an eternal God. He's a God that no devil can destroy. He is a God who is everlasting. He is a God who is Jesus Christ. Who they hung him high, they stretched him wide. They put nails on his hands and nails in his feet. He died on that cross and the devil thought, I got him. In fact, he told those leaders, go on and send some folks to watch over the tomb. But my Bible says three days later, they showed up at the tomb. The stone was rolled away because he got up with all power in his hands. And he did not just keep the power. He had the authority to give it to the disciples. And guess what? Go witness. Go testify. Go preach. That ought to be the ambition of every preacher. Preach the gospel. And now I'm not talking about just the preacher who you call your lead pastor and your senior pastor. Because it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, with the priesthoods of believers, every believer ought to have a little sermon. Every follower of Jesus Christ ought to have, be able to preach the gospel because it's the power of Jesus to save. No, they don't need more of you. No, you can't drag them into heaven. No, you can't shame them into heaven. Like Martin Luther King said, you got to love them into heaven. And you can love them in by preaching it in season, out of season. No, they seem like they were beyond the reach. They seem like they were beyond redemption, but God can do anything but fail. That God can save. Look back over your life. Think about what you were doing before you got saved. You ought to be saying, my God, I can't believe what you've done. I can't believe the works you've done in my life. God can save. The powerful proclamation of the gospel. It's safe. We preach it every single Sunday. Folks call the pastor, pastor, it's about to be a snowstorm. Pastor, we're going to have church tomorrow. This pastor right here, Stanford, he a little crazy. I said, what you talking about? Of course, we're going to have the service. We, we got technology now. You got no excuse not to show up at church. You can broadcast it right from your living room. The pastor can sit there, be riding in the car, and turn that thing on record and still preach. You got no reason to not be able to hear God's word. It's the power of the gospel to say, I love these times we live because the word can go everywhere. We can preach it everywhere. We can share it with folks. You got it on your Bible. You got it on, you got it in your PC. You can have it on your laptop. You can, you can share it with folks on a moment, in an instant. You can't even claim you can't remember it because you can bring it up right on your phone. That is the power, the proclamation of the gospel has power. As I prepare to close, I'm reminded, you know, I tell my church all the time, you know, I was an 80s teenager. I came into my own in the 80s. 
You know, and sometimes, and then coming into the 80s, growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, I like to listen to music. I, I love to listen to music. But my mom, you know, she was a single parent. She didn't want me to get in no trouble in um, southwest Atlanta. It was kind of hard. It was kind of dark in southwest Atlanta. So every Saturday when I got off um, um, work, we, we had one of those Bible-believing houses. So, so I couldn't go out and, and go, to, go hang out and go on dates on Saturday. I had to bring myself home on Saturday and get ready for Sunday. So I couldn't be out in the street. So I found myself with my little black and white TV because we didn't have a lot of money. I would turn on that TV every Saturday night to NBC. In the 80s, it was NBC ran things. And there was a little show that started coming on in 1986. It was a show by the name of Amen. This show had a brother by the name of Sherman Hemsley in it and Clifford Davis. He used to be in That's My Mama. And, and in this service, in this show, every single week, you got to see old Deacon Fry show up every week. He wasn't living right. Sometime he would make some really bad decisions and give some folks some really bad advice. But every time the preacher would be able to turn him and get him back on the right track. Every single Saturday, you could come and see the church on display. I know some folks did not like what they could see sometimes. Sometimes it bothered people to see some of the issues that could happen in church. But I just loved every time when they played the opening song. Because the opening song for the show said, Turn on the lights from heaven, Lord. Shine on me. Turn on the lights from heaven, Lord. Shine on me. Shine on me. Turn on the lights and put me on the right road. Help me to find my way, Lord. Turn on the lights on heaven, Lord. Shine on me. Shine on me. Now, you may not remember that song. You may not know that song, but Jesus gave it to us when we get over into the next um, chapter in chapter 5 of Matthew. Because you know in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is the light of the world. That Jesus bring, take, brings light to the, our dark areas of our lives. But when you get to chapter 5, you turn over the page. Not only is Jesus the light of the world, but those who know him as their personal Lord and Savior, he says, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine among man. They see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. So you got to have hope in Jesus Christ. You got to trust in Jesus Christ. You got to share your light. You got to let it shine that folks can come to know your Lord and Savior and praise him. That's the best sermon you'll ever preach is just live a holy life as God is holy. Be faithful with a little bit. He'll make you master of much. Trust in the Lord. Trust and obey. There's no other way if you want to be happy in Jesus. Just let this little light of yours shine, shine, shine in this dark world. Give God glory and honor God. Praise God and it's going to get better. It's going to be better. Why you know it's going to be better, preacher? Because I already told you. Because it was that Friday he died. Everybody thought it was over, but he rose from the dead. We recognize it every single Resurrection Sunday. He will give life to our dead bodies. Jesus is still the light of the world. He's still the way, the truth, the life. Preaching the gospel still saves. We sit here. We want to give, we want hope. In a dark world, when it looks bad, we need to recognize that Jesus fulfills the prophetic word. This word is perfect and inerrant. Amen. The prophetic word, what thus saith the Lord. They, God, they don't need to hear your opinion. They need to hear what thus saith 
the Lord. Jesus is the, is the revelation of God's compassion. They need to see a compassionate church, a church that has works of compassion, care and concern for those on the margins of society. And no matter how big you get, no matter how much you pack the pews, no matter how many new ministries you get, preach the gospel. It's the power of the gospel to save. As we get ready to open the doors, I, I, I am a Baptist preacher. I don't know. I, just, just so you know, I started out United Methodist. My wife, my mother reminded the church. We grew up United Methodist. I, it's been a spell now. I got married. My wife wasn't going to become Methodist. I had to come Baptist. And, and so she was Baptist, firebred Baptist. And, 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 so, and so we opened the doors of the church. That means we offer, we do not presume that everybody in here is saved. We did all it. They sang all those songs. They talked about all the ministry. We preached the gospel just for someone to come to know Jesus as their personal Lord. This was all for you. That ought to make you feel special that God brought you here today for you to come to know him. So if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have not made a personal confession of faith. This is your opportunity. Now, grandma can pray for you. Mama can pray for you. Wifey hubby can, can pray for you, but you must know him for yourself. So if you want to know Jesus, you want to give your life to Jesus today, you want to come out of darkness into his marvelous light, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, this is your opportunity to come into the family. Do we have one today to accept Jesus as your person, I don't know how you do it. Do you, if the person stands up and you walk to them, you can stand up. Somebody will come to you to pastor somebody. But if you want to come down to these roles as, as, as they're playing some music, you can come down to these roles so people can minister to you. Come to Jesus while there's time. I told you, I think what breaks God's heart, what broke Jesus' heart was the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That you know good and well that Jesus is real. God is real. God is talking to you, and you refuse to come to him. Give your life to Jesus today. Come on out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's not going to get better until you get right with Jesus. Do we have one today? Come on down. Do we have anybody? Raise your hand or walk down to give your life to Jesus. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus, I come before you humbly because I need your help. I repent. I have a change of mind and attitude where I need you every hour. And maybe today you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You saved. That's set. You're going to heaven. But as I tell our church also every Sunday, there is no such thing as a church of you. There's no such thing as we call it bedside Baptist. It, that, that's a lie. The devil is a liar. You can't be church all by yourself. You need fellowship. You need a pastor. You need preachers, deacons, elders, ministers to pray for you. So if you come today looking for a church home, this is your opportunity. You coming? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, it's time. We got more time. If you are looking for a church, I'm telling you, 
It almost made me have to turn in a resignation letter the way y'all treated me when we walked up to I was like, wow, I can't even get out the car barely. The kindness, the graciousness, a church who loves people. If you came looking for a church, you say, this is your opportunity to join Faith Community Church today. You can come on down too. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Don't presume. Don't assume. Because mama and daddy was right. No, you have to make a public confession yourself. And come to join this fellowship of believers if you already have Christian experience. I know this is a time where folks just don't want to commit. You need to commit. Commit to the church. Join this church today on the Christian experience. Do we have anybody today? And maybe today you find yourself in a situation where you are a member of this church, but you kind of feel like you're on the margins or, or that you've been out of fellowship. Why don't you come on back into fellowship today? Come on back home. One more time, accept Jesus Christ. He's the only way. Do not let the New Age teaching all this strange stuff fool you. He's the only way. He's the way, the truth, the life. You only get to God through Jesus told the disciples, what, you've been with me all this time? You want to see the Father, you want to see the Father, you got to see Jesus. Accept Jesus, repent. Pastor, that sounds like a bad word. No, it's not. It just means have a change of mind. Turn around and come to Jesus. Or join this church on a Christian experience. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, I help from ages past. Oh, Jesus Christ, who thought it joy to endure the cross, despising its shame, but did it with joy because you loved us. And mediocrity was just not enough. Just getting by wasn't enough. You wanted us to be in the family. You came for us. In fact, we didn't love on our own. We loved because you first loved us. So we thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus Christ, who gave your life for us on that cross to atone for our sins. Help us, Lord, to never take our salvation for granted. Help us, Lord God, in these difficult times that may seem dark to lose hope. Lord, help us to have our hope in you Jesus Christ, because you are a living hope. You sit at the right hand of God the Father, and you make intercessions for us on our behalf, so we thank you. You're the King of glory that's mighty and strong in battle. Lord God, so we thank you when you fight battles on our behalf. We thank you for the victories, Lord God. But Lord God, we thank you also for the challenges. We thank you for the trials, Lord God, because it develops us. It perfects our faith, Lord God. It develops our character, which develops our hope because your love has been poured out on us. So, Lord God, give us the courage. Give us the strength to have a fearless faith, Lord God. Fill us full of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that we can proclaim your good news to all who will receive it, Lord. And help us, Lord God, for those in our lives, those who we have challenges forgiving. 
that we can forgive lest we be forgiven. And Lord God, help us to never forget that your word is inerrant. Your word is a light to our path. Lord God, it's your word that we can hide in our heart that we do not sin against you, Lord God. So help us embrace your word. Chew on it when it tastes like honey, but it's bitter to our stomach. Lord God, help us to be a church, be people of God who are compassionate, who are merciful, who meet people at their point of need, people who show compassion and grace, Lord God, because it is by grace alone that we have been saved so we can't boast in our works, Lord God. And Lord God, help us to be faithful proclaimers of the gospel. Lord God, give us power in those times when we may feel weak, Lord God, because even the youth may lose their strength. They may faint, but help us, Lord, to wait on you because you will renew our strength. Lord, please bless this church. Lord God, bless the pastors, the leaders of this church. Lord God, bless the one who has come. Lord God, help this church to serve this sister in the way that she needs to be served, Lord God, that they can be a blessing to them. And we'll be careful to give your name all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor, for you are worthy. Let God's people say together on one accord, amen. Amen.